Well, good morning, River Ridge. Thanks for coming out and joining with us this morning. And for those that are joining us online, good to have you guys here. Um, We are wrapping up this series called A Story Worth Sharing, where we are walking through scriptures and equipping ourselves with what it means to share the good news of who Jesus is in our lives and the impact that God has had in our lives with those that we come into contact with. Uh, The first week when we kicked it off, just to kind of give us a little bit of a recap, we talked about facing our fear. Isn't it true that when the topic of sharing our faith with someone comes up, we get gripped with fear. We're afraid that we won't say the right thing. We're afraid that they may take it the wrong way. And we have all these reasons to be afraid to share our faith. And because of that, the vast majority of us never do. We, we never take the time or the initiative to share our faith with those that we come into contact with. So the first week, we spent some time laying more of the the theological framework for why it is that this is so close to the heart of God and why it should be close to our heart as well. And then last week, Andy did a great job helping us to understand the value of relationships when it comes to sharing our faith. And we learned that we need to take the time, that we need to take the effort to go on their turf, to take a genuine interest in their life, meet them where they are, and earn the right through a trusted friendship to earn the right to share our faith and to share the good news of who Jesus is. Sometimes the expression that is used is that we build bridges of friendship that we cross over to share the gospel. And so today is all about what do we say? What do we say once we've earned the right to be heard? And I think this is the crux of the problem that I see in my life and that as I talk to other people in their lives as well. A lot of times we are really good at at building that bridge of earning the right of building a friendship, but then we step, we, we fall short, we stop short of actually crossing that bridge and sharing the gospel. But the truth is that at some point we have to open our mouths and we have to articulate and clearly say what the truth of the gospel is. You know, the Greek word for gospel is not even a religious word. Uh, it, it was used back in the day. It, it literally means to announce good news. Uh, back in the day, it would be used uh, if a general would go out and they would win a, a military victory. Before the army came back, the victorious army came back, someone would evangelize or tell the good news that a battle had been won. The, the Greek word is actually euangelizo, and we get our word evangelist or evangelize from it. And we're all evangelists for things. We, we walk through our lives and we are always announcing the good things that are happening in our lives. We're evangelists for the vacations that we take. And we come back and we tell our friends and family, man, you've got to try this trip. You've got to go to this beach. You've got to take this cruise. I, I'm an evangelist for Aldi. I love that we have Aldi here. <laughs> I mean, I can go in there and get in and out in half the time and save all kinds of money. And I'm always telling people the good news of Aldi. We're evangelists for our favorite sports teams. We, we gather up around the, the, the water cooler on Monday morning, and we're telling all the good things. that Man, did you see that catch last night? I, personally, I've been on a crusade with my family now for uh, about 18 years, trying to convert them to eating pickles. I'm the only person in our house that eats pickles, and I've recently found Famous Dave's Hot Pickles. They may have had Famous Dave's Hot They'll change your life. I mean, they, they will absolutely change your life. But we're all evangelists telling people the good things that happen in our lives. And just like the other good news that we announce, when it comes to evangelizing, to sharing the good news of Jesus, we actually have to open our mouths and say the words and tell the story of him. Maybe you've heard the statement before, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. It's P. 
pithy, it's tweetable, it's quotable, but it's inaccurate. It's like saying, hey, tell me your phone number, and if necessary, use digits. Right? You can't do it. I, 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 apart from digits, there is no phone number. Apart from words, there is no gospel to share. It's good news that must be told. So this morning, we're going to look at an example of someone who shared their faith. And we're going to learn some techniques of how he went about doing it. And at the end, I want to give us a real simple structure so that we can clearly, when it's time, tell the good news of who Jesus is. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. And to kind of set the stage for the story, we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And it says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So here's the context for what's happening right now. Soon after the church was launched, the Jewish leaders of the day tried to stamp it out by authorizing this really violent persecution led by a guy named Saul. And they would go into these house churches and take people away and beat them and imprison them. And it says here that everyone except the apostles ran. Or it says that they were scattered. This word that is used for scattering is the, the word for scattering seeds or scattering life. It has with it the picture, if you ever had a, a kid that grabs a, a dandelion and blows it and the seeds go everywhere. That's the picture that Luke is painting for us. God uses this terrible persecution that came onto the early church and he scattered what was going on in the early church throughout Judea and throughout Samaria in the region. And it's significant for us to realize and to recognize that these are just normal people. They were just going through their everyday lives, normal people, normal families, because the, the, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Everyone else was scattered. It was craftsmen and butchers and carpenters and artists. And as they were going through their everyday life, Luke says that they preached the word wherever they went. Oftentimes when we hear the word preach, we think about what I'm doing up here on a Sunday morning where there's one person standing on a stage and proclaiming. That's not what that word means. It simply means to tell the good news. And what they were doing is they were going about their everyday lives. They were looking for opportunities, and they made it a point to tell people about Jesus. So what we're going to do with the remaining time is Luke is now going to paint us a picture of one of these normal, everyday guys, a guy named Philip, who takes the opportunity to share the good news with someone that he comes into contact with. And if you've ever wondered, what, what does it look like? To share my faith? What does it look like for me to, to share who Jesus is with someone? We're going to see a model to follow here through Philip. So we're going to jump down to verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out. And what we see here in this model of Philip is that this was a guy that was constantly listening to God that he was constantly willing to be led by God on whatever it is that God had for him. He woke up each morning expecting that in some way that God was going to use him and that the lean of his life was that he was going to cooperate with God. He, he woke up thinking, okay, this is going to be an adventure for me today. God, what is the adventure that you have for me today? He's just a normal guy that's going through life, tuned in to God. And he has this thought that comes into his head, this nudging by God that says, hey, go down to the desert road, to Gaza. 
And that's all the direction that he gets at this point. And he could have balked at it and, and blamed this thought uh, on, on the pizza that he ate the night before. He, he could have waited and peppered God with, for, for more clarity of asking all these questions. Okay, God, what does this mean? When do I need to go there? How long do I need to stay there? He could have stalled and just waited for the, the feeling, that prompting to go away. Or he could do what he did. And he got up immediately. He quickly responded to the prompting of God and he rose and he went. Because he walked through life with an expectation that God was actually going to use him in that day to bless somebody else. If you're taking notes, the first thing that we see in the example of Philip is that we need to respond quickly to the promptings of God. Have you ever had one of those promptings? Have you ever had a, a thought pop in your head, that little voice that says, you know what, maybe you should say something. Maybe you should ask a question. Maybe you should invite them to lunch or buy their meal. Maybe you should pray for them. Ever wonder where those thoughts come from? It, it's the prompting of God. It's the Holy Spirit nudging you saying, hey, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity to be used by God. I think sometimes we get frustrated and wonder why it is that God isn't using us. And I think that if we're honest, if we look at our calendars, the truth is that we're too busy or, or we're too focused on our own agenda to feel those promptings or, or we ignore them and say, not right now, it's kind of inconvenient or that doesn't make any sense to me, so why would I do that? And we ignore these promptings. But this is exactly how God invites us into the adventure of the Christian life. So we need to follow Philip's example and start the day expecting to be used by God and leaning into the opportunity and being, being willing to be used by God with this attitude that says, anytime you show me, God, I won't delay. I, I'll walk towards that. So Philip does that and watch what happens in verses 27 and 28. It says, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Kind of sounds like a, a chance encounter there at the beginning. And on his way, Philip just happens to be going this way, and there just so happens to be this Ethiopian eunuch that comes his way. This isn't a chance encounter. This is a divine appointment based on the promptings of God. And this Ethiopian guy, he is an extremely interesting and complex man. It says that he comes from Ethiopia, and Ethiopia was a vast um, community, a vast and wealthy empire that sat just below Egypt during that day. And it says that he's a eunuch, and that means what you think it means. He's a castrated male, and oftentimes in those days, eunuchs, were put in charge of the king's harems for obvious reasons. They, they could be trusted. They weren't seen as a threat. And sometimes they, they would rise in power and influence with the royal family because they could be so trusted. And this is what happens to him. Luke tells us that he rises to the position where he is the official over top of the treasury of this great and wealthy nation. He was a powerful man. He was a wealthy man. He would be the modern-day equivalent of the chair of the Federal Reserve. And so on the outside looking in, this guy it would look like he has life by the tail. He has, he has all of anything you would ever want from a trapping standpoint, from a worldly perspective. 
But here he's, he's asking some questions internally. God had been working on him already before this time even takes place. So much so that he is willing to take almost a whole year out of his life. It's a 10-month journey, a five-month journey to Jerusalem and a five-month journey back. He takes 10 months out of his life to take this pilgrimage to Jerusalem and back, to explore a little bit more about who this God is. He's probably heard a little bit from the Israelites that were spread down in that area, and he started asking some questions and wanting to know a little bit more about who this God really is. And while there, he buys this scroll of Isaiah. And on his five-month journey back home, he's trying to figure out what Isaiah is talking about. And it's this scroll that he's reading aloud as he passes by Philip. In verses 29 and following, it says, The the Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And he said, Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So while this chariot is approaching and Philip is hanging out in this crossroads of of this desert road, the Spirit gives Philip another nudge and says, hey, I want you to stay close to that chariot. And since Philip's disposition is to cooperate with the Spirit's prompting, he walks alongside and he overhears and I think he recognizes what the man is reading. Philip would know the scripture of that day. And I think at this point, Philip is going, I get it now. That's why you have me out here in the middle of nowhere so that I can come into contact with this guy that you're sending my way. Philip expected God to bring people in his life for a reason. And he looked at each interaction with the people that he that came in, into contact with as a potential open door to share his faith. And so he pushes a little. And he simply strikes up a conversation with this guy by asking a question. He, he doesn't jump out in front of the chariot and make him stop and make this long and drawn out uh, announcement. He simply asks a question to see if this is, in fact, an open door that God has put in front of him. And that's our second step. If you're taking notes, look and pray for open doors. We need to get it into our heads that there are no chance encounters in our lives. God has orchestrated our lives. He has orchestrated our steps for a reason. Your neighbor lives down the street from you because God put them there. Your colleague works beside of you or down the hall from you because God sat them there. It's no accident that you know the people that you know. They need the gospel. You know the gospel. And my guess is that you already have some people that you have been walking alongside of. You already have some people in your life that, you have, that, that they have invited you into their lives because you've earned the right to be heard. And this next step for us is to make the most of every conversation that we have with them and look for open doors. Because just like this Ethiopian unit, God has been working on them behind the scenes. And he's raising in their lives or bringing to light in their lives their need for him. And it's our job to walk through the day asking God, hey, God, open up doors for me. And and when he does, we walk through them. And so when that nudge comes, when you hear them share a disappointment in their life or, or you hear something in the conversation, just ask a question. How are you doing right now? 
how's this setting with you right now? I hear some disappointment in your voice. Just seeing if there is an open door for something further. You're just testing things out. You're, you're kicking the tires. You're checking in with them. How many times are you asking God to show you something during the day? How hard are you listening uh, beyond just the words that they're sharing to see if there's an open door for a conversation to go further? Where you can come alongside and, and ask a question to see if it really is an open door. And sometimes it won't be. Sometimes you'll ask a question and it won't be all that probing, but they won't engage at all. You ask the question and you move on because the timing isn't right. But other times their answer and their engagement will invite the conversation down a road about your faith. And you can begin to share with them a, a common need that you're, that you're having in your own life and how God's been helping you in your marriage or in your parenting or in your ability to forgive somebody that, that hurt you in some way. This is the adventure of the Christian life. We walk through life with an ear toward what people are saying and an ear toward how the Spirit might be prompting the conversation to be guided in a certain direction. It's this attitude that we expect God to use us, so we're actively looking for open doors to walk through. So that's what Philip is doing. Let's see what happens next in verse 32 and following. It says, The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his, his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Of all the passages that he could be reading at this point, this is the one that he was reading. Uh, he's, this is a passage out of Isaiah 53. And it's this amazing poem that talks about the death, the crucifixion of Christ 800 years before Jesus was even born. This is just yet another example of how it is that God is orchestrating behind the scenes this interaction that's taking place. And I love Philip's example here. He, he didn't expect this guy to know anything. He, he doesn't barge in. He doesn't take over the conversation. He just started with where this guy was, and he answered the question that he was asking. So here's the next principle for us, if you're taking notes. Start with where they are, not what you know. I think sometimes as we start talking to people, uh, we have all these things that are swirling around in our minds, all these answers that, that we have come to over the years, and we think that we need to get them where we are as quickly as possible. But what we need to learn is just start where they are. Answer the questions that they are asking, not ones that you think they should be asking. And, and whatever you know, share with them. If, they have a, if all they have is a single question, answer that question. If all they have is a simple misunderstanding about something, try to shed some light there. Just start with where they are and then have faith that God will continue to guide and that God will continue to draw them over time. But don't feel like you will get them all the way to a place of faith in a single conversation. Sometimes that happens, but more often than not, it looks like a series of conversations spread out over weeks, spread out over months of time as they digest what you tell them, and then they come back with more questions. This is a long-term commitment to invest in the relationship, to pray tirelessly 
for God to continue to open up doors and then answer their questions patiently, persistently, over time, and trusting that God will do what he can do. But at some point, we do have to get to this last step. Watch what Philip does in verse 35. It says, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. This is what the Christian life is meant to be about. As we are scattered, and we are scattered in all different aspects of our lives and different parts of this valley, as we're scattered wherever we go, we take the good news about who Jesus is with us. So if you're taking notes, the last point is that we need to clearly explain the good news of Jesus. Philip used that passage of Scripture out of Isaiah 53, and he shared how Jesus was the suffering servant that he was reading about. And he took the opportunity to share God's love for this guy and God's plan of salvation through Jesus. And we learn a few verses down that the man placed his faith in Christ. And immediately they found a a body of water and he wanted to get baptized as this outward profession of this inward change in his life. Uh, Interesting side note. Within 50 years of this time, uh, the, the church in Ethiopia was one of the most thriving churches in the early life of the church. And we don't know for sure, but early Christian tradition holds that this man went back to Ethiopia and he began to share his faith. And he planted a church in Ethiopia and was one of the key leaders there, all because Philip was available to be used. He prayed for an open door and then he told him, about Jesus. It's an amazing model to follow, but my guess is that most of us are still have this fear about how do I go about doing it? So in your notes there, I want to give a real quick recipe to share the gospel with someone, because at some point we do need to cross that bridge and be able to articulate, to clearly explain the good news of who Jesus is. And what I'm going to go over is not the only way, but it is a way. So if you ever find yourself in a conversation with somebody and they say, what's this God thing about? Or what's this Christianity all about? You can share it with them in a real easy structure. Uh, And the structure is simple. It's problem, solution, response. Problem, solution, response. The, The problem, Romans 3 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the conversation may go, hey, have you ever done anything wrong in your life? And we can say, I, I know you have because I have too. We're selfish. We're, we're greedy. We do things that hurt the people in our lives. The Bible word for that is sin. We are sinful. But God is different. He's perfect. He's holy. So much so that, that he can't even be in the presence of sin. So even one sin, even one mistake, even one hurtful action prevents you from being in a relationship with him. And the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't even live up to our own standards, much less God's. And it's like we walk through life with a, with a sin credit card. And, and every time we do something hurtful or wrong or uncaring or unloving, we just swipe the credit card. And over time, we have accumulated this massive debt with no way to pay it back. We have a problem. 
But the solution is in Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The good news is that, that God says, you've got a debt that you can't pay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my son to pay that debt for you. And Jesus' sinless life and his sacrificial death paid my debt in full. He didn't have to do that. But he did it because he loves us. He loves you. And he said, I'm going to give you a way out where there was no way out. So how do we get that? That brings us to the response. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess, your confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That all of the work is what Jesus did. And my confession is acknowledging that I believe that Jesus is who he said he was, the perfect son of God. And I receive his forgiveness, that my debt is paid in full. And I will follow him as best as I can the rest of my life. Having a simple structure like that, you can share clearly the good news of Jesus. It stays focused on Jesus and what he did, not what they have to do. And you can get through that in 90 seconds, two minutes. A structure is helpful in that way. And it's a reminder, I guess, for us as well that, that um, we've been talking about the last few weeks that we're going to have a workshop this week that starts tonight at 630. And it's an opportunity for us as a church to get better equipped because I do know that, that fear gets set aside a little more the more comfortable we get. So I'd invite you, pick a night. We're going to have a, a workshop Sunday through Wednesday. Uh, pick one of those nights that works for you. We're going to dive a little bit deeper in what it looks like to be able to share our story, the story of how God has impacted us, but also share his story and how those two stories line up. God has you strategically put positioned in the lives of the people that you know for a reason. So that you, so that I, so that we, we can share this good news, this amazing news of his forgiveness, of his grace, of his mercy, and the impact that that has had on our lives with the people that we know. What would it look like if we woke up tomorrow with the mindset, God, you have an adventure for me today? What would it look like if we approached Monday morning saying, God, I expect to be used by you to reach into the lives of people. That, that you're actually going to bring someone across my path today for a purpose and a reason. And, and that I'm leaning in the direction of cooperating with you. I'm not going to ask any questions. If you give me a prompting, if you give me a nudging, I'm going to lean in that direction. And I'm going to continue to listen for the Spirit's prompting to tell the good news. As we wrap up this series, let, let's keep close to those relationships that God has put on our hearts. We started off this series adopting an empty seat. And I hope and pray that you have some names and some faces that you would love to see in those seats. Let's keep close to those relationships. Let's keep praying for those relationships and then look for opportunities. Look for open doors. Ask good questions. And see if there are some opportunities for you to share this story that's worth sharing. This story of God's amazing grace and what he's done in our lives.
Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for um, an example to follow. We see in Philip just an everyday guy that you had strategically placed. But he was willing to be used by you. He was expecting to be used by you. God, give us that kind of heart. Recognizing that the reason why you have kept us down here after you have saved us so we could be used by you to tell the good news. It is a story that has to be spoken. So I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to fight through the fear that might linger. Father, help us to walk through the day prayerful. You tell us to pray without ceasing. Help us to be prayerful for the way conversations are going and opportunities to test and see if there's an open door to be a good friend and then God to start with where people are and to share the gospel with them. God, what an amazing opportunity that we have that you didn't have to use us, but you have chosen to. Help us to embrace that. God, we we long to see your church filled with your people. So give us the strength to do that. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, real quick, as you guys head out, if you uh, have any interest in baptism or you have some questions about that, just a reminder that Blair is going to be in the next steps room right after the service to answer any questions. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you back here next week.